three, two. What's up, guys? How's everybody? Back for another day of the John Davies podcast. Uh, today, I want to talk about. I want to do. I actually want to do like a more structured podcast today. I still want to keep it pretty loose, um, but since I'm just talking to myself, I think it's better uh, if I keep it structured and we just sort of go through topics one point at a time. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the MLB postseason because I'm a huge baseball fan. Uh, just caught some of John Boy Media's Talkin' Baseball podcast. That's T-A-L-K-I-N, Baseball. And I highly recommend if you guys like MLB, you're going to go follow them because uh, you got two guys in uh, John Boy and Jake that know a ton of stuff about baseball and stats. They're basically like stats nerds. Um, and then you got... Trevor Plouffe, former uh, infielder for the Minnesota Twins, who provides the uh, veteran experience. They're great guys. Obviously, uh, I enjoy their show a lot. So I highly recommend going to check them out. Uh, we're going to be talking about the debates a little bit more after that. Um, House Democrats also. We're going to be talking about how they passed the uh, $2.2 trillion stimulus bill and how it doesn't have any Republican support at all. And uh, I'm also just going to give you guys my thoughts just, you know, on uh, D.C. because my girlfriend and I were there yesterday, as I said, and how it's changed, just what I've noticed, you know, thinking about it uh, since we went down there in the, in the time that we've got back. So, yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting. Maybe it won't be at all. it probably suck. But uh, let's go. Let's try this out. Let's, let's sit through it. So uh, let's just start with how I'm feeling today. I uh, I just got back from a run earlier. I've been trying to run more in the morning now, and uh, you know I'm like a huge supporter of the you know the David Loggins type lifestyle of just conquering your inner bitch and getting out there and putting the work in, grinding. There's nothing better for you than than to just like conquer that voice that that doesn't want to go work out. So I was doing that uh, this morning. I went. Three and a half miles. I'm not bragging because I know that there's people out there that would just absolutely put me in the dust. But I am kind of bragging to myself because I never thought that I was capable of doing something like that. Like if you guys would have known me in high school, oh my. Yeah, you never would have thought that I would be running, you know, three and a half miles every day. And I've also been supplementing vitamin D recently because I've heard that it can actually give you an energy boost. I was watching a uh, Joe Rogan podcast with uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, and I was also reading a uh, article in in this medical online journal. Let me see if I can find it here real quick. Called uh, Healthline.com, and so that was uh, that was a big inspi- inspiration for me to try it out. And uh, there's there's numerous benefits to supplementing vitamin D that not a lot of people talk about, especially during COVID. No one's really talked about it. Uh, It can really boost your immune system. Like, it's... I don't know the exact health science behind it, but, like, medical professionals from across the board pretty much universally agree that vitamin D is good for your immune system and can boost it. I mean, so there's that. And also, obviously, this is the one thing I do know for sure that vitamin D does, is that it... is It sort of, like, cements your bones. It It helps you grow strong bones. Uh, it can help you fight generational diseases like, you know, multiple sclerosis um, or osteoporosis, you know, disease of the weak, but like weakening of the bones and stuff like that. Uh, apparently it can also reduce depression too, because uh, it's, I don't know any of the effects of that, but um, it, it just helps with uh, staying alert and awake. 
And uh, I'm actually noticing the effects for sure because I'm able to do so much more. I'm able to actually wake up at 8 o'clock now and then since I've started supplementing and actually going out and doing this stuff. Uh, apparently can also uh, suppress the cravings that hurt weight loss. Like, you know, if you're trying to lose weight and you're trying to fast, maybe you're trying to intermittent fast and you get that craving for some snacks really late, those are deadly. Those are absolutely deadly. That is a sexy devil on your shoulder whispering in your ear. She's got cinnamon lipstick, fucking fishnet stockings, and she seduces you every time. Those cravings are so hard to get past. Uh, I myself get midnight cravings a lot for Pop-Tarts because that's like my late snack, or it used to be. I'm trying to cut it out. But um, those cravings are, are so hard to suppress. But apparently, supplementing vitamin D can help you uh, to leave those behind when you're trying to intermittent fast and lose weight. I just want to remind everybody, though, to never use not eating as like your primary method of losing weight because basically what you're doing then is just making yourself weaker. You should never starve yourself to lose weight. Intermittent fasting is not starving yourself. You want to maintain proper nutrition if you're intermittent fasting. Or if you're doing carnivore diet, same thing. Got to maintain uh, proper meal timing. You can't you know, just be snacking on meat throughout the day and not exercising or doing anything because you, you, know, you won't lose the weight then. Uh, there's multiple different things that can actually like lower. I, I found this kind of interesting. There's multiple things that can lower your vitamin D. And uh, one of them is being in an area with high pollution. So if you're like in a city with a lot of smog, it can actually block out the sun because you actually absorb it naturally through the sun when you're outside, which is kind of interesting. Um, sunscreen can actually reduce your amount of vitamin D intake. So if you're one of those people that like freaks out and put sunscreen on like five times a day, you can actually really hurt your vitamin D count. Uh, you know, just spending a lot of time indoors, obviously, living in big cities where skyscrapers are blocking out the sun. That's just sort of goes without saying. It goes with the smog, too. I think it's just overall, like, urban lifestyle, you know, not getting enough sun, not getting enough time outside. That's one of the things that can really hurt your vitamin D count. And also, apparently, uh, having just darker skin, period, hurts your ability to take to in vitamin D. Um... It's kind of funny because it's like white people and black people have different uh, weaknesses surrounding the sun and vitamin D. Obviously, you've heard the meme where it's like, well, white people, you know, can't go out in the sun and not get sunburned. And that's absolutely true. But it's like black people can't absorb vitamin D into their skin at the same rate that white people can. So it's like they, they ha they're at risk for a vitamin D deficiency more so like people with darker skin are at risk more so than people with lighter skin. It's like if you were to take somebody from Norway, say, they would be able to absorb more vitamin D from the sun, but they would be at higher risk for a sunburn, which are very painful and can cause skin cancer. So you tell me who has the advantage there. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, it's just a very, uh, a very interesting uh, subject. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking to get more into health and nutrition. Uh, the plugs that I have right now to continue that knowledge are obviously like any Joe Rogan podcast with Dr. Rhonda Patrick. She has this amazing app called Find My Fitness. That's Find My Fitness. And I would highly recommend that to everybody. You can help track your uh, weight loss, vitamin intakes, and uh, just a bunch of tips, articles, beneficia beneficial uh, discoveries that, that you can discover for yourself and that she will share with you on this app. It's very, very good. I saw her plug it on Joe Rogan. Um, I'm sure it's still up. This episode was a few years old, but I'm sure it's like still up on the App Store to this day. 
So yeah, uh, vitamin D has helped me tremendously. I got my run in earlier today. I conquered my inner bitch. I squashed him yet again. So feeling very victorious. I'm in a very good state of mind right now. I actually got back and uh, did a meditation session as well. And the 30-minute meditation session is absolutely life-changing. If you can work that into your daily schedule, um, it, can, it can have so many benefits. And, you know, like, I realize a lot of people will have a hard time working stuff like that in because people live incredibly busy lives. But it's if you can find a way to get it in there, like, if you can just find a way to sneak that into your routine, uh, you, it's, it's so, so beneficial, especially if you have, like, a crowded head, if you have anxiety, if you have just racing thoughts. I was subject to racing thoughts. You know, I would consider that to be... I actually went to therapy for it in the past. So this, it's just so helpful because you can sort of concentrate your mind on a mantra and, you know, you just sort of, you just sort of concentrate on this mantra and the things that fill your head in the background is what you have to like take out of it after the meditation session's over. Like what is your head forcing you to think about when you try to think about something else? So it's very interesting. And, and also, uh, I'm going to plug these, uh, these really interesting videos on YouTube later at the end of this podcast here. So I can so I can get you guys sort of on the right track to doing it yourself. There's these amazing YouTube videos that I've been listening to. They have like eight, five, ten hour versions, and you can use them to meditate too. You can use them to sleep too. But it's basically just like, um, it's just like uh, binaural beats, or not binaural beats. Um, it's some kind of weird audio audio technique. You're supposed to use headphones with them, but I actually have a sound bar. It works very well with that too. But um, it's just sort of like warm, pulsating music, very ambient, meditation, beatless music that you can use. And I wouldn't even really call it music, really. It's more like echoes with a musical overtone, if that makes any sense. So definitely highly recommend that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug you guys that into the podcast, as well as this other artist that I know who does uh, meditation loops that are extremely good. That's just that's stuff that like if you can work that into your meditation session, it makes it that much better. And I'm going to plug it right at the very end of this podcast. But let's move on from that now. Let's move on from that. So the big thing I want to get into today is the MLB postseason. And I told you guys I was going to talk about that at the start of the podcast. I am a huge baseball fan. i just go with my background with baseball since this is like the first episode where I've ever talked about it. I'm going to be talking about baseball a lot in this podcast. It's not strictly per se going to be a baseball commentary, but I'm going to provide the wisdom and expertise that I know about baseball. I'm going to try to get people interested in it, uh, maybe who wouldn't have otherwise have been interested in it before. And I'm also going to talk about other sports, too. I'm a big sports guy. I love sports, but baseball is what I'm most qualified to talk about because I spent five years of my life playing baseball when I was a kid, uh, just you know, in leagues, and then... Other than that, outside of leagues, you know, we'd play baseball all the time when we were kids. You'd get, like, four or five people together. You could play a pickup game in the backyard. It was just something that I really loved as a kid, and it's a game that, that I hold dear. And so I'll be talking about it a lot on this podcast. So this will be my favorite segment, I'm sure. So we're going to go ahead and start talking about that now. And the MLB postseason in 2020 is looking like a really, really good one so far. 2020... Um, for those of you who aren't following baseball, has been a weird year. I'm sure you could probably guess that, though, because of the coronavirus shutdowns in all sports. Like, I think pretty much every sport has had their league affected in some way 
uh, whether it be no crowds, uh, shutdowns like the NBA, NHL had, or uh, just like complete bubbles like you see the NBA doing and um, and MMA, like UFC, you see Dana White building Fight Island, you know? So baseball, basically what happened with baseball is the season got delayed for like three months and what is normally an 162-game season uh, was taken down to a 60-game season. And the difference between those two is night and day. Night and day. When you have a 162-game season... You, it's an endurance contest. It is a it is a testament of a team, and there's a point in the season, which is coincidentally right around game sixty or so, where teams that that start out hot and you know get on a winning streak right away, just sort of propel themselves to the top. If they don't have the depth, if they don't have the roster depth, the minor league depth, the pitching depth, the people get hurt. Those teams crumble, and the teams that do have the depth grind them out. And you see it happen every year. That's why baseball has just some tremendous crashes. It's it's. I don't think that there's a sport like baseball where they're just you see teams just completely implode during the the course of seasons, especially over the course of 162. So you know that could be the reason why you have some teams in the playoffs that that you know I'm I'm not gonna say no any team doesn't deserve to be there, but it could be the reason why you have some teams like like younger teams like the Miami Marlins in the playoffs this year. And yes, they have talent on their roster, but it's like, is their talent really that that good to the point where they would be able to last 162 games? I am a sleeper. I'm a doubter. I am a total sleeper. I, I think that they... I do not underestimate their potential to do well in the postseason, though. I just underestimate their potential to do well in 162-game season. Um, but yeah, Miami and Atlanta is going to be a very interesting series. Uh, these two teams are division rivals. Actually, every series going into the division round is going to be uh, division rivals. And um, Miami is like the biggest surprise of the postseason this year. They've been awful the past couple years. And um, Hall of Famer, New York Yankee shortstop Derek Jeter has recently taken up ownership and G- partial GM roles. So it's like, you know, they have all this hype behind the team that, that Jeter built, the system... And uh, another thing that Jeter was did as soon as he got in was cleaned house. You know, he got rid of National League 20, 2018 National League MVP Christian Yelich, uh, just traded him to the Brewers, got rid of Marcel Ozuna, got rid of Mike Stanton, or now goes by Giancarlo Stanton. Sorry, sorry, Giancarlo. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton went to the Yankees, and you know the Mar- and obviously Jose Fernandez, RIP, passed away. Anniversary of that was actually about a week ago. Um, yeah, they had these, this team with, like, all these really good players the past couple of years, the Marlins did, and they basically got rid of it, just cleaned house when Jeter got in office, and he wanted to completely rebuild and start from scratch. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to burst everyone's Jeter bubble here. Most of these prospects that, that are doing well for the Marlins were already in their system when Jeter took over. Like, uh, people like, um... The people like, uh... Like Jazz, Jazz Grisham, and or sorry, Jazz Chisholm, and um, their pitching prospects that are doing really well. Uh, that third base guy, uh, name's drawing a blank on me right now. The third baseman that they have, the young third baseman that's doing really well. Their shortstop, um, for some reason, also I'm drawing a blank on their shortstop. I'm actually gonna look that up here real quick. I'm gonna look up their roster and just sort of go through it. Um, 
they have some they do have some talent on that roster. I am not trying to smoke them at all when I say that I don't think that they could make it in 162. I think the Marlins are going to be damn good in a few years. But I think that right now they may not have been able to last. But the Marlins actually did have a COVID-19 outbreak earlier in the season that many people thought was going to be the end of baseball. You know, pretty much they thought it was going to be like baseball's total failure. And the Cardinals did as well. And, you know, look at this. Both teams making it to the playoffs. The Cardinals obviously just getting eliminated. But both teams that had the COVID scares making it to the playoffs. Brian Anderson. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know why that name is drawing a blank for me. But, I mean, yeah, you got people like, um, you got veterans on this team. Like uh, Brandon Kinsler who has been amazing out of the bullpen. Yimmy Garcia from L.A., he's doing really well. Um, you got Steven, like people like, you got starters like Steven Tarpley coming from the Yankees. Trevor Rogers is a big prospect. Um, and, you know, this team, when you look at it, it doesn't look that impressive. There's just, there's Miguel Rojas. That's the shortstop prospect. He is, he's going to be a good player. Lewis Brinson is going to be a good player. Monte Harrison is going to be a good player. But these people aren't, established names by any means at all and um and i think that the marlins do deserve a lot of credit for being such a scrappy team atlanta is stacked let's talk about atlanta in this game for a little bit or this series sorry atlanta is stacked they have probably the best young players in the league they got ronald acuna jr ozzy albies you know like freddie freeman who's quite possibly one of the greatest hitters in the game right now probably the best left-handed hitting first baseman that we have in the game right now and um Dansby Swanson they have all these starters Max Freed um they're going to be a tough cookie to handle and I know this because the Nationals my team that I watch a lot they play the Braves uh just as much as they play the Marlins and I can tell you this the Braves never give you an easy win they never give you an easy win you always got to battle the Braves always and they got fire in their blood after last year how they got eliminated after last year, how they lost an embarrassing final game of the series where they gave up seven runs in, like, the second inning or some shit like that. They have got fire in their blood. They're coming for the series. So that would be that's going to be the one to watch right there. I think that that's going to be the sleeper best series. But uh, I want to talk about the other National League series before we get into the American League just real quick. L.A. San Diego. This is going to be the one that this, the networks probably prop up the most in the National League. More so than Miami, Atlanta, even though Atlanta has a huge TV market. Uh, it's going to be, it's probably going to be the most action-packed, I would say, of the four series because L.A. and San Diego are just two really, really, really good teams. I mean, L.A. is just star-studded right now. You've got Clayton, Kershaw. You have got, you know, just an offense that has so many guys up and down who are hitting right now. Prospects. you got Guys like A.J. Pollock, Cody Bellinger having a rough year, but still the, the talent is undeniable. I mean, you got guys up and down the roster. You got versatile players who are fully capable in the free agent acquisition of Mookie Betts. I mean, how overpowered is that? You take a team that already has one of the toughest rosters in baseball, and you just drop in Mookie Betts, a guy who can hit for power, steal bases, score runs, play defense, a five-tool player. And you got personalities like Joe Kelly coming out of the bullpen and just saying fuck you to the Astros, who we'll get into in a little bit, who everybody hates right now. 
Um, you got Max Muncy, Edwin Rios, and you know Kike Hernandez, Gavin Lux. You just have all of this talent. Corey Seager, Chris Taylor, all these guys who have come up in the past and will most likely come up again in this series. Now, San Diego, I'm going to tell you their nickname before I even tell you anything about them. Their nickname is Slam Diego. They rake. San Diego is a roster right now that is absolutely stacked, and they're ready to go hitting-wise. I mean, they got the young phenomenon, Fernando Tatis Jr., who's one of the most exciting players in baseball. They have the veteran Eric Hosmer, veteran of the 2015 World Series win in Kansas City Royals. They have Manny Machado, Mr. Hot Shot, back it up all the time. I'm going to talk shit almost every, before every game and then back it up by hitting some dongs. Um, they have the, the young star, Trent Grisham, uh, Will Myers, postseason experience in Tampa Bay in the early 2010s. Their lineup is packed right now. And they have other young talents, too, that I'm not even mentioning who are, who are also performing. It's like they have a mixture of veterans and young talents performing on that team. Now, the only question I, I think I'm going to have for San Diego going into the series is their pitching. It's weakened. They have a few people hurt. I know that um, their big acquisition, Mike Clevenger, they got at the deadline, is actually not going to be healthy, I don't believe, for this series. So we're going to see how they adapt to that. That's going to put them, I think, at a disadvantage, and it kind of sucks for San Diego fans because, you know, I kind of wanted them to go far this year. But I think it'll definitely put them in a bit of a disadvantage. So real quick, let's move over to the American League, and let's finish up with our postseason roundup for the, uh, for the 2020 baseball postseason. We got Houston and Oakland. Now, this is a series that I'm personally very interested in as well. Um, because I'm a defense guy. I love good Major League Baseball defense. I'm going to tell you guys right here, right now, if you want to know what the difference is between a Little League game, a high school game, even a minor league baseball game, like a single A, a single A game or a college game, it's defense. Major League Baseball players are incredible in the field. They make plays on a consistent basis that that just sort of defy what you would expect a baseball player to be able to do. And I think that defense is one of the most exciting elements of Major League Baseball. So this series really shines out to me. These teams have amazing defenses. Oakland had the best infield defense in Major League Baseball until their uh, platinum glove winning third baseman, Matt Chapman, got hurt. And Matt Chapman is one of the best players coming up right now. Um, in the American League, he can do it all. He can hit for power. He's a little slow. He doesn't really have the speed that you know a guy who can do it all like Mookie has. But you know he has the um, he definitely has the power, the contact, and for sure the fielding because he was the Platinum Glove winner, which is the best total fielder in both major leagues. But he is injured, and that's a huge loss for the Oakland A's. But right now in that infield, you know they got an amazing first baseman, digs him out all the time. Uh, Matt Olson. You got Lestella coming over from the Angels. He plays a mean second base. He can also play a little third or left field. Um, you got Marcus Simeon, who's quite honestly one of the most improved shortstops in Major League Baseball. Marcus Simeon had like 20 errors a couple years ago, and everybody thought that he was just the worst fielding shortstop. But both offensively and defensively, he has just turned himself into an absolute machine for this Oakland A's team who is just so desperate for star power. And another thing that the Oakland A's do very well is they have amazing chemistry. I would say they probably, besides the, with the possible exception of the Rays or the Padres, have the best chemistry of any team right now in the playoffs. And that's saying something too because there's a lot of chemistry that goes into baseball. 
Like, all these teams have good chemistry. But Oakland's is just so gelled. They're, they're all focused on one goal. Um, they don't really have a lot of star power right now on that team, so I think that actually helps them. I think guys are going to be more focused on contributing and just sort of doing their thing. And Houston is the exact opposite of that. I mean, Houston is quite literally loaded with stars. And Houston's also kind of the elephant in the room with this postseason because they were the ones going into this season that everybody was was um, pissed off at. Like, literally everybody in the entire world, I feel like, had a vendetta with the Houston Astros going into the season. It was like that Simpsons episode where everybody wants to kill Mr. Burns because supposedly they had a... Uh, a cheating scandal, which we can actually get into in more detail, maybe even tomorrow on this podcast, because it's very interesting how what they were accused of doing and um, the investigations that that followed it. So, but but long story short, going into this playoffs, everybody they they had the they they had the uh, collective they had the collective hatred of every team fan and a lot of players going into this this postseason and this season in general. There were, I mean, there were times when they were hit. There were times, like I said with Joe Kelly, you know, he, he came and plunked the Astros. Joe Kelly of the Dodgers, he came and plunked, uh, I believe it was Correa, you know, and, or no, sorry, he didn't plunk Correa. He plunked, um, I believe it was Altuve, and then he struck out Correa. And then he just looked over at him and he said, nice swing, bitch. <laughs> One of the best moments of the season if you're not an uh, Astros supporter. I certainly don't wish them any ill because I believe that um, as a former player, I know it's different levels totally, but when I played baseball back in senior league and, and little league, like even at that level, knowing what pitch that comes in would never help you. It's just they're coming too fast. Like, you know what I mean? I've seen a few instances with the Astros scandal where it may have been able to help them, but we'll get into that in more detail uh, on another podcast, because that's like a whole another topic that's going to take a long time to get into, and it's very interesting, and it's one of the most interesting things I think that's happened in the baseball world in the past couple of years, and most controversial thing. So you got that series, Houston Oakland, both rivals, both angry at each other. Oh, a little caveat that I forgot to mention is that Mike Fires, who is the guy who actually whistle blew on the cheating scandal, is a pitcher on the Oakland A's. And he'll be starting against them in this series. So you can expect some tension there. The last one I want to talk about is Tampa Bay and New York. And I think this is an interesting series for the, for the sole reason that like these are two opposite teams. I mean, when you think of the New York Yankees, you think of money. You think of pinstripes, you think of money, and you think of cigars and a bubble bath. And the Yankees certainly have a high payroll this year on their team. But they get a bad rep, I think. I think that the Yankees get stereotyped as this team that goes out and buys all their talent. And yeah, you got guys that are signed to like 300 million plus contracts like Garrett Cole on this team. Uh, you got Mike, or so I keep calling him Mike Stanton. I'm so sorry, Giancarlo. It, it, it's been that for years. I'm so sorry. Jean, you got Giancarlo Stanton though on a monster contract. I think the Yankees are picking most of it up. I think that was the condition for them taking him in that trade a couple years ago from Miami. Uh, yeah, they got these huge contracts, but they also have guys they bring up, you know, like um, Luke Voigt, who was one of the league leaders in home runs this year. And, um, yeah, they have a lot of free agents. Obviously, they got DJ LeMayhew on second. But for every free agent, there's a guy they brought up. There's a Gary Sanchez. There's a uh, there's an Aaron Judge. There's Luke Voigt. There's a, G- a Gio Urshela. You know, it's um, it's it's more complicated than than just the Yankees buy all the good players. But the Rays don't have the option to buy anybody. They don't have the option to get a DJ LeMahieu or 
like uh, a, a Garrett Cole for three hundred million. The Rays have no option to do that. The Tampa Bay Rays are perhaps the poorest team in the league. Still, I believe they are. They've they play in a stadium that's so so out of date. It's a it's basically just a giant crock pot that people play baseball in. It's quite it's quite literally the only stadium in the league where balls that are in play can hit the ceiling and there's ground rules for that. So, if you didn't know anything about the Tampa Bay Rays situation, they're kind of fucked when it comes to attendance and where they play. But they by god, if they aren't one of the scrappiest teams that I've ever seen. I mean, since that 2008 World Series run, they have been in the mix, it seems like, almost every year. They've had years where they've gone back downhill a little bit and had a losing record, but they've bounced back hard. Uh, they lost their amazing manager, Joe Madden. And, you know, that could never be an easy loss for anybody because he's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. But And he got the Cubs a World Series, and he broke that curse. He's a great, amazing manager. But they have moved on from that, and the Rays are here to stay. They have a wider pool of talent than I think any team that I've ever seen before. Like when it comes to just bringing up prospects, with the possible exception of the St. Louis Cardinals, the Tampa Bay Rays have the ability to just summon these prospects. Like it's like some kind of high-level Yu-Gi-Oh uh, game where they just like they're pulling out legendary cards one after the next. So it's these players that they bring up. Uh, there's one guy I think is really, really, really going to be good. Uh, let me check their roster real quick, see how to pronounce his name. <sighs> My favorite player on their team, obviously, is the exciting G-Man Choi. He's one of baseball's most uh, charismatic figures. Uh, Glass now, you know, starting pitcher. He's very tough. Charlie Morton, ground ball Chuck, his nickname. Another really, really tough pitcher. Blake Snell had kind of a tough year last year, but he's bouncing back hard. He obviously has the talent to be good. And uh, Randy Arozarena. I, now, that's a guy you're going to want to keep an eye on. That's going to be a good player moving forward. Randy Arozarena is hes jacked. He hits bombs. Um, whether or not he can play more consistently in the field, we will see. But he is a hitter. I knew it from the first at-bat that I watched him that he was going to be tough. Yeah, a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, Monday, I think the first game starts. Um, they're gonna be games are gonna be going all day. We're gonna have four games, and there's gonna be no off days. So it's pretty much just gonna be a hard push to the DS, to the CS, to the World Series. Now, um, I think baseball deserves a lot of credit for for doing well in the shortened season, and um, and handling the early COVID outbreaks very well. Both teams that had the the major like you know shutdowns, the Cardinals and the uh, Marlins actually made the playoffs, so it didn't affect them that much at all. I, I give props to MLB, how it was handled, and all the players, you know, for doing their part in socially distancing and, and uh, you know, just not, you know, taking the tests. I know the tests probably fucking suck ass. Someone has to stu stick a damn swab up your nose and tickle your skull, but I give pr credit to all the players, and I'm super excited for this playoffs. I'm glad they're putting it on for us. Oh, boy. Yeah, I love talking baseball. Sometimes it can actually run a little bit too long when I talk baseball. So I want to I quickly get back to the debates because in the last podcast, I said that I wanted to talk more about that. So I'm going to go ahead and get to the debates, uh, the second part about what I wanted to talk about. Um, I think what we left off on 
in these debates when we were talking about him on the podcast the last time was the, um, I think we were talking about how divisive it was and how much arguing uh, you could see. But I am not sure if we actually got to the Proud Boy movement. So that's what we'll get into today. That was a really weird thing from the debates that I didn't talk about. Yes, I do not believe that we got to the Proud Boy movement. The debates were pretty much a foster of identity politics. I think one of the things I also talked about in the last podcast was how... Oh, excuse me. Essentially, it was basically like a summary of everything that's been happening in identity politics over the past couple of years. So, obviously, these debates are very controversial right now, and it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be very intense. It's gonna be very intense moving forward, just because of the uh, sheer, just because of the sheer intensity of this debate like you know these candidates could not get through this debate without yelling at each other and i think that people are just tired of that in general right now and uh people in america aren't gonna aren't gonna handle that they're not gonna stand for that any longer moving forward i just think i think more people are tired of it than are you know joining these sides joining these this left wing or right wing that gets increasingly more radical um, the Trump, the Proud Boy statement that Trump made was just totally off the wall. And it's just something that like, I, I can't even understand. I can't even really understand why he would say something like this, but they basically asked him to condemn the white supremacist group, the Proud Boys. I don't know why this is important enough that we need to be talking about it in a presidential debate, but Trump said he did condemn white supremacy. That is a media lie that he didn't condemn white supremacy. I want to put that out there right now. He did condemn white supremacy. But he said something weird about the Proud Boys. He said, Proud Boys, stand by and stand ready. And this just completely put me off. You know, I'm not one for these, like, weird boy clubs. Um, like the Proud Boys. I mean, the Proud Boys are probably the first ones to tell you that people like the, the Bohemian Grove are weird. So why would you go out and do shit... Like this organization, you know, the more I look into it, the more I look into Gavin McGinnis and like, you know, just what kind of person he is. I think that it's just it's just all so weird and it's just very, very confusing as to why President Trump would want anything to do with a group like that. I personally think it's just because they're uh, his supporters and that's the only real thing that he looks at. But um, it's it's clearly like it's it's something he, he doesn't want to offend them. He's worried which is kind of weird because like in politics you're supposed to go for the middle and sh and shut out the extreme points and the proud boys are certainly an extreme point uh when it comes to politics but president trump uh has not been doing that and is in my opinion failing to pander to the to the more accessible wider audience that he could gain there's so many things that i feel like if president trump did he could be truly like this great president that that people are trying to get me to believe he is and like address the war on drugs you know i i think that he has done some good things like every president can possibly do but it's when people try to sell me sell trump to me it's this is what they always say and it's just like there's so many things that if he were able to address i'd vote for him tomorrow but he never seems to do it he never seems to do it at all so, I don't know what it is with that, but 
um, it's, 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 it's concerning. It's definitely very concerning. So another thing that I wanted to talk about was the uh, 9M730 uh, Buravestnik missile. And this was just something that uh, came up recently. Uh, it's just something that kind of interests me. I was sort of I was sort of flipping through these old stories, and I found uh, something about the the nuclear incident that happened in northern Russia in 2019, I believe it was, uh, called the. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry if I pronounced this wrong, but the uh, Neonska radiation incident on the 9th of August, 2019. Um, basically, Russian nuclear energy agency Rostam confirmed the release of nuclear radioactivity at the state central Navy testing range in uh, Sarovaznik. Apparently, there was also um, some, some kind of like isotope power source for a liquid-fueled rocket engine involved with this too and i think it the radiation was released when they were trying to re retrieve this this object from beneath the ice or like wherever in the sea where it had fallen in it's in northern russia so it was right on the arctic circle um the foundation of american si societies under a report by jeffrey lewis confirmed that the tests were the results of this uh Burevestik missile i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right but Basically, it's a missile with nuclear capabilities that is said to have nearly unlimited range. It has a reactor that it actually runs as a power source. And um, the Soviet Union and Russia of today is unsure to what extent their arsenal is nullified by the U.S. Strategic Defense Initiative, which was started under Reagan during the 1980s. It's basically like the Star Wars program. But we have a ballistic missile defense system that we, we could use. Basically, what this weapon is is something that might be able to get around that because it has nearly unlimited range and can attack from any direction. The longer a missile is up in the air, or the more, sorry, not the longer a missile is up in the air, but the more sporadic a missile's pattern is, um, when we can't map out where it's going to be, that's when it gets really dangerous. That's when the missile, you're going to see things like the uh, missile defense system fails when weapons that can sort of circumnavigate this AI become more popular uh, i also want to talk real quick uh before this podcast ends i'm gonna actually wrap it up after this i'll share my thoughts on dc the next time but uh i wasn't watching the time and i actually have to wrap this podcast up a little bit early today but uh the house democrats just recently passed a 2.2 trillion dollar stimulus bill that's something we got a thousand dollars coming our way again i think there was bridget fetise um on Joe Rogan's podcast the other day, or it wasn't a, it wasn't on her podcast, but I believe this was her tweet. She said something like, "2020 will be forever remembered the year the government gave us all a thousand two hundred dollars each, closed everything down, and told us to go fuck ourselves." So you know that's pretty, uh, that's pretty accurate, I think. And uh, we're apparently going to get a thousand two hundred dollars again, and um, the total monetary value of the stimulus package is actually two point two trillion, two point two trillion. Man, I can't even fathom what that amount of money would look like if you were to stack it up. I don't understand how we have this money. Like, where does this come from? Where does this money generate from? Who do we owe it to? You know, me, I just, I obviously need to learn more about economics and stuff like that. And I'll probably have people on this podcast that will educate me. And it won't just be my dumbass talking to nobody and just sort of regurgitating my idiot opinions. But... It's it's very confusing to me. 
Uh, the Trump administration proposed their own $1.6 trillion plan on Wednesday, but Pelosi and Mnuchin couldn't reach an agreement. So this is a bill that's actually passing with very, very limited Republican support. And there was an interesting post that Dan Crenshaw had that was um, that was talking about sort of, sort of stuff like that. Uh, I don't think that spending money on this virus is a good idea. I really don't, guys. I think that you can spend money for testing and whatever you want, but um, I just, I don't think that I don't think that the the amount of unemployment that we're giving out is is working because obviously it's just padding people's income because there there was a massive spike in consumer purchases in 2020 and you can look it up like it it was right after the first wave of stimulus checks hit at my job where I work uh, we ran out of TVs because people were just coming in and buying flat screens so I mean it's it's definitely. It's definitely controversial as to what we should be doing. It's almost like that whole feed a man a fish argument. But I think that there's definitely people out there that need some kind of aid. They need some help to get through their rent. Maybe their job got closed down because of COVID or um, they're struggling with their rent, period, because 75% of Americans were living paycheck to paycheck before COVID. Um, I think that it's, it is necessary, but it's like how much should we spend? There doesn't seem to be an honest discussion going on about that right now. And maybe Trump's plan of $1.6 trillion was better. Because in this Democrat plan, it says that $225 billion is going to colleges and universities. How does that help? What are they... Is it, for, it better be for testing. That's all I can say. Better be for testing. And protective gear. Um, real quick, I'm going to actually wrap this podcast up. Because unfortunately... I did not watch my time, and I have somewhere I have to be. Um, next podcast will be tomorrow. I'll be trying to release one every single day. Let me go ahead and plug those uh, meditation videos for you guys that I think are really beneficial. Um, it's going to go to YouTube, and you're going to go to SleepTube. It's SleepTube, all one word, and then Hypnotic Relaxation. SleepTube Hypnotic Relaxation. Give that channel a follow. That'll be it for today's version of the John Davies podcast. I thank you all for listening. Um, I thank everybody for their continued hard work in their own lives. And I just want to say, get on out there and get it today, baby. Go out and run. Go out and supplement. Go out and do it. Just get it done. You have something you need to do today. Every human does. I want to say, just go out and do it. That's all you need to do. I'm sounding like Shia LaBeouf right here. But just do it. That's how I'm going to leave this podcast. Just do it. Bye, everyone.